This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. Welcome to High Stakes. I'm David Schifrin, and this is the third and final part of the conversation about the coronavirus COVID-19 uh, between our CEO, David Gerard and Emily Evans of Hedgeye Risk Management. Be sure to take a listen to parts one and two. There's a ton of great insight there. Here, Emily and David talk about the stock market and areas of vulnerability for hospitals. In addition, Emily turns the tables a bit on David and asks him a few questions about what our firm, Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock, is hearing from clients. As a reminder, we recorded this on March 11th, so things may, and let's be honest, we're talking about the stock market here, so they will look different by the time you're hearing this. If you find it valuable, please be sure to share it with your colleagues and subscribe to the High Stakes Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. All right, so let's talk about the stock market. It is, uh, it's been crazy. Yeah. Um, healthcare stocks affected, mm-hmm. maybe less so. Yeah, Tell us a little bit about what you're saying. There. So one of the things, you know, the, there's a, I knew a friend in politics who referred to it as the law of the little thing, uh, where it, all these bad things are happening, you mm-hmm. know, all these negatives, and then it just takes this one little thing to crack it open and for everybody to look at it for what it is. And that's what's happening here. The S&P earnings, the, the economy growth, all of the fundamental metrics mm-hmm. had been, have been slowing for a while. You know, we were, we are, and continue to expect a slowdown slash recession sometime this year anyway. Now we've just poured a little gasoline. So on be that. clear. So you're, you're looking at, or even predicting a recession this calendar it, year? It could. Yeah. It, it, it's, it seems likely. I mean, you're Barring not, not the only one I've heard that from, but it's interesting to yeah, hear fat, you say that. Well, it was already headed that way. Yeah. You know, if you, you look at all the data points, you know, we, we look at earnings, reported earnings, which were down fairly significant on a, on a quarter over quarter and year over year basis. We look at growth GDP, you know, which was, Okay, but a lot of it was government spending. Right. You know, not a lot of private sector spending. Um, you know, we, we've got about thirty-five things our macro team looks at, and and it was all pointing one direction before this happened. So what you what you were seeing is a lot of people use this. A lot of companies use this opportunity to go changing guidance. You know, and just bring that that stock market down a good. And it probably has another fifteen percent or so to go. I would say fifteen percent or so to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't looked at it in a couple hours. In the last hour, right? Yeah, I haven't looked at it in the last hour. It's down three percent when I right. Was. And how are healthcare industry stocks playing? And in- so healthcare industry, it's, it's varied. Teladoc's doing great. AMN, which is the nurse staffing, that 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 seems to be doing yeah. uh, well. Real concerns about, for example, tenants' debt, which is heavy. And if you get into a global slowdown, you have a liquidity issue. You have debt becomes a real liability, so mm-hmm. that's a that's a big big concern uh, there. Uh, then, as far as some of the you know technology players, they're you know I think they're 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 they'll be fine. I think the worst case scenario though for the healthcare system is, and this is we don't we haven't seen this yet, but we're watching for it very closely. It is if the Patient, the caseload of hospitalizations as a result of the coronavirus do not exceed the suspended or delayed elective procedures. So if Hmm. you're, you know, you're getting your knee replaced, your doc, you're going to talk to your doc, you're going to express concern. He's like, why don't you wait? 
And right. and so you're not going to be that extra bit of margin for your local hospital. All that revenue's lost. All right. that revenue's lost. And you're replaced with a $200,000 ICU uh, patient probably on Medicare. Mm-hmm. That's not... That's not super great for margins. That's the, it, it, or you're not replaced by a, a COVID patient because it doesn't come to your community. Right. And that could happen because someone's afraid to go to the hospital because there's COVID there, or the stock market is hitting the bottom. And I don't know if I'm going to have money to pay for this right. elective or, surgery. Or I just don't want to take a chance. I can do this later. I've been mm-hmm. putting it off already for you know a year, so right. Right. I'll just do this later. Yeah, and then I can do I can do another couple of months. Right. Now, we still have people taking cruises right now, so I'm sure we're going <laughs> to – I'm sure we're still going to have people who are, are going to yeah. go and get their elective surgery. But that's the worst-case scenario is that those hospitals empty in expectation of COVID patients, and they just don't come because there aren't enough of them. All right, so if you're, you're leading a hospital or health system, you're CEO of an integrated delivery network, what do you do? Uh, uh, well, I think first of all, you speak directly to your community yeah. about because if you if there is are there cases in your community or ILI influenza like illness, um, which is how coronavirus is being classified until a test is produced. But and you can see the city of New York actually produces on a two day lag all of their influenza activity. So you can pull it up and you could see that yesterday they had five hundred and three cases of influenza like it now it that went through their ERs. Now they have seven hundred and two. The pretty that's up close to seasonal highs mm-hmm. for influenza. That number keeps going up. That's when the that's an opportunity for the hospital system in a community to say, here's what here's what we're seeing. Here's what we want you to do. You know, hit the airwaves. You know, go yeah. get in front of every broadcast media Facebook post and talk about it honestly and forthrightly. And you may get less revenue because of it in the near term, but you're going to build that trust with the, the community. You've protected your reputation, your credibility on the back end. Right, exactly. When, when, when things burn out and the world starts over. Right, exactly. And, and, we, and we can shake hands again. <laughs> may. <laughs> <laughs> may. May. May or June. Thank you for this. No. I really enjoyed this conversation, even though the topic is a little uh, troubling. A little, a, a little morbid. A little morbid. What are you hearing out of hospitals as far as caseloads or volumes or anything like that uh, and there's all there's a lot of work in being prepared and, and being ready what does uh, that look like there's there's the the work internally right of communicating right. to your staff the procedures the mm-hmm. protocols this is how it's going to work which they all need to know but also let me assure you as a as a healthcare system that we've taken care of you caregiver right okay we're we're protecting you right right and then to the community here's how we want you to act here's how we want you to to um, perform if you feel like you have this right Okay. I know at Williamson Medical Center, I think they... They have four of the <clears throat> six Tennessee right? cases, yeah. And I think they met one of these, uh, one of the patients like in the parking lot, right, anticipating that right. The, they were coming in and didn't want them to come into the hospital to infect the hospital right. or create that, even the impression that it was, which I thought was an interesting response. Yeah, that's right. what I think Brigham and Young who did that in Boston. They set up a pop-up tent yes. outside to test the Biogen uh uh, to keep that separated, to keep that out of the a little bit the hospital. Good so practice, we, you know. And until uh, two or three days ago, we had many more of our our hospital clients didn't have a coronavirus patient than than do. Okay. And every hour, it's it's changing. Right. Right. Well, one thing we do expect to happen is it it'll go from being a unique event, sort of a seismic event, mm-hmm. in a, in, that shakes an entire community. 
to everyone having some experience with someone with the coronavirus. Patient. Right, and assuming responsibility. For and beginning health. to assume responsibility. We're, but we're at this moment where it's, it's tipping from being a unique outlier event that's particularly scary because it's unknown in addition to being right. troubling to being something that we're all dealing with. Okay. And we're we're living through what may be the next 72 hours is because it's moving so fast of transition right. psychologically to okay. from it's it's somebody else and it's scary to it's everybody and I know how to live in this world. Right. Well, um, we've been hearing a lot of talk about shortages and we've seen this with the lab testing reagents. Um, how are hospitals uh, addressing that? They are they're sta- they're, they're equipping up. Right. I mean, not unlike a, a hospital that's preparing for a hurricane. Right. right? Okay. They they yeah. they they staff up their blood supplies. They staff up the materials. But in in addition, what we're finding is they're being much more deliberate about how those supplies are distributed. I have heard stories that, that some of those gowns and masks are disappearing, not for medical use within the hospital. <laughs> right, but, yeah. right. So it, we, we have some hospitals that are, that are putting in, um, yeah, ag- like agents, yeah. right? Just like you would in a stock room. And, you know, one mask per person, one right. mask per patient to... Right. To be as judicious as they can with the with the supply. Well, and the Washington State is part of, part of their presentation, which I think is super helpful for the community, is they include we have adequate supplies. We did use a lot of our ventilators in our stockpile. The federal government is replenishing those. You know, they when you talk about those things, people go, "Oh gosh, they've thought about this." Yes. You know, because the really scary thing is the syst- people overtake the system, and there isn't enough stuff. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough people. That's but, and you've seen the pictures like at Costco, right, where the shelves are empty. Right, yeah. Because people are doing just what you're saying. They're they're taking care of themselves and making sure that they and their family are going to be – have all the toilet paper and and baby wipes and disinfectant that they, that they need. I did that, but I did it about two weeks ago. <laughs> no, see, well, because you're – Nobody was in Costco. Nobody was in Costco when I was there. And everybody laughed at me. And, and to your point about being a voice of authority and being credible, we, we think it's so important that hospitals and health systems speak to their nurses and to their oh, physicians yeah. because they're those folks with the white coats are extremely credible in the community right uh, where that where those conversations actually and happen. you saw a little bit of a breakdown in that with the the, the California Nurses Association which is very active politically yeah. and and from a labor uh, a labor perspective you know you saw them really making 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 a lot of statements about how they felt like their nurses uh, were in danger. And, and I think Vacaville has had some, um, yeah. some issues with, with nurses too. So, so the keeping that staff healthy, you know, allows your capacity to be it, what it needs. And keeping the capacity, right. So you can fulfill your mission, but it's also a, 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 a tug of war over who owns that mission. Right. Who, who is really in charge of public health? Who is, the voice of authority on making sure that nurses and patients are taken care of. Some will see it as an opportunity to own that space. Uh, we believe hospitals and health systems naturally own this space, but they could cede it right. if they don't speak. Right. That's a, that is that is the message. And and it speak like if Tony Fauci, who is seventy nine years old, you know, and is on every single televised yes, appearance, he is. you know, if, if he can do that, everybody can do that. Well, thank you. Thanks for this. I'm going to, uh, I don't know what the thing is. We're not even supposed to. Oh, we're not supposed to.